0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm gonna be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday so far. A lot of stuff that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into the Batman heading to HBO Max a little bit earlier than expected. I'll break all that down. And when you can check it out on the streaming service, some brand new details regarding Miss Marvel. The first Stranger Things season four trailer has dropped. I'm going to break it all down what it means and what I'm looking forward to. In the latest season, also some more news regarding Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the weekend preview, and so much more. The first thing that I do want to talk about on the podcast today is, of course, talking about the sad passing of the one and only comedian Gilbert Gottfried, who his family announced on Tuesday in in a surprise way that gilbert Godfrey to pass away from an illness and he is no longer with us and again it's one of those kind of like bob saget uh, even like a Chavak boat more more so really in line with someone like a chavik bosan where you really have no idea what what someone like that is going through and then you just hear all of a sudden of of this great one passing away from us way too soon a, a, in his late 60s and When you think about something like Gilbert Gottfried, he is just such a funny, funny person. I mean, of course, everyone's going to remember his... his, his a unique voice in how he was just able to make anything seem funny just from speaking and when you talk about some of his 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 work like Iago from Aladdin or in Beverly Hills cop 2 he's just somebody who was just able to make you smile on screen even if it was just for a little bit and he's just somebody that I always remember just hearing him and 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 hearing some of the the, the jokes that he would make he was just just incredible. And so my heart goes out to him and his family and really, really to the family and friends of Gilbert Gottfried. And again, gone way too soon, taken from us at the age of 67 years old, too young to be to be passing away at, at this age. But we remember all of his great work, the legacy that he leaves behind, the comedy and jokes and laughs that he made everybody feel will not be forgotten. And so once again, Gilbert Gottfried passes away at the age of 67. And now to move on to the rest of the show, the first thing that I now want to talk about is the latest episode of Marvel Studios' Moon Knight hit Disney Plus on Wednesday, which was yesterday, and it was episode three, which was titled The Friendly Type. Now, this is going to be a non-spoiler review for the latest episode on the show, so there won't be anything spoiled for you here. So if you have not seen the episode yet and you still want to check it out, but you still want to kind of know what was kind of in it or hear what people thought about it, you can still check it out here. And then, of course, go and watch the episode with no details being spoiled whatsoever so again this was episode 3 of Moon Knight titled The Friendly Type and when I first watched this episode a couple weeks ago when I got the screeners this was my least favorite episode of the four that I watched but one of the great things that I loved to do and I've loved doing so far with Moon Knight is going back each week and watching it with everybody and seeing what everyone's reactions were and missing out on some things that maybe I didn't quite see when I watched it the first go around, and when I real while I really enjoyed the first episode and, and loved the second episode, and that just kind of reaffirmed it. When I watched it the second time, the thing that I loved about my viewing experience on the second time with episode three is that I loved it. And I shouldn't say loved. I really liked it a lot more than I did the first go around. And I think some of the the story elements that I thought were very kind of tight and crisp in episodes one and two, when I watched this the first time, it felt a little bit more like. Like it was kind of playing a little bit more loose, and we were getting to a lot of these complexities and mythology within Moon Knight and Kanchu that when I watched the first time, I was like, okay, we're really expanding out there. But but again, watching it the second time and knowing kind of more of the story, it, it really reinforced a lot of things that I didn't really enjoy about this film, or excuse me, this episode And I really found myself enjoying it a lot more. And one of the things that I loved from beginning to end with this episode, and I loved it the first time, was the the treasure hunt vibe. I think you got some of those elements in episode one and two, but in this particular episode, it really dives deep into finding this tomb and really kind of, of, of finding all these different clues to get to this spot. And I think that was really implored really, really well. It felt a lot more kind of like a cat and mouse game. And so I really enjoyed that element of the episode in here. Also, another thing that I really did enjoy was the dynamic between Steven and Mark. And I think if you, the the way that they were able to establish it after the first two episodes, you really get to see a lot more of the chemistry between Oscar Isaac playing against himself and seeing a little bit more of their kind of chemistry play out. And I think it really was able to just kind of play with itself a little bit and not having to hide that mystery anymore. The way that they were able to integrate both of them into this this episode and kind of have some things spin on its head a little bit from the first two episodes it was really really well done so I really did enjoy those moments in the episode. Mae Callum who plays Laura in this episode or Lana excuse me she was amazing in episode 3 I've loved her character so far and I'm excited I'm excited to see where she goes even in the last couple of episodes. I'm really excited to see where this character can continue to dive deep. And I love the chemistry between her and Oscar Isaac and the relationship they have and that you're really starting to learn more things about them. Even though the relationship has already been established, they're still kind of learning more about themselves as we go on in this third episode. And we learn a lot more about her as we go through this episode. So I think for... For, for Mae Callumway and her character, I really, really enjoy what they're able to do with her so far in these first couple of episodes. And I think with Layla, they're able to expand on her relationship with, with Mark and expand on, the, on their work relationship and everything along those lines. Ethan Hawke continues to be amazing as Arthur Harrow. I think when we talk about MCU villains, the best ones are the ones that what they think they're doing is right. I mean, we look at Thanos, we look at Killmonger, Loki. Those are the villains that we look at as some of the great ones in comic book history, but also within the MCU's history that I think we can put not on that pedestal, but Arthur Harrow is one of those types of villains. And I think it's great to kind of see, again, him being expanded in this episode, seeing his relationship with Chu and, and, and the world of the Egyptian gods. You really get to dive a little bit more deep into that world and why he's really trying to do what he's trying to do. And again, to go more into the the Egyptian lore of it, the iconography, the gods, like I was saying before, again, you really get to learn a lot more about them here. And that was one of the things that I felt like was a little discombobulated a bit when going, when watching it the first time, but I really enjoyed and, and marinated and took it in, I think a little bit more and understood it the second time that I watched this episode. So I appreciated that. And again, we're going into the supernatural, but we're also continuing to go into the cosmic realm of the MCU like we haven't really seen before. So all of that is really exciting. And one of the other great things that I find very fascinating about the show is so far, we haven't really had a lot of references to the MCU. Really, if you were to watch the show and not knowing that it was part of, of Marvel Studios, I think you could just watch this as a fun, entertaining, interesting, psychological thriller, action, swashbuckling treasure hunt that it's trying to be right now without any mention of anything in the MCU whatsoever. Not to get into spoilers, there was a, 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 a location name drop that was referenced from the MCU lore beforehand. But other than that, this thing has been completely untethered from the rest of the universe. And I think that's one of the great refreshing things about this so far. And I think when Oscar Isaac talks about how this goes back to the days of the first Iron Man, it makes a lot of sense because really with Iron Man 1, even though we look back on it and there's a whole bunch of references to S.H.I.E.L.D. and and to, to things that could happen in future MCU installments. When you first saw the first Iron Man film, you didn't think it was gonna be attached to any universe whatsoever, other than the post credit scene. And, I, and it, it, when you still watch it today, you can just watch it as a standalone, excuse me, standalone film. It is a really good character piece. I think the same thing can be attributed to Moon Knight a little bit. Not to that same degree, but the fact that it is about somebody that with dissociative identity disorder and somebody that's trying to figure himself out and you don't know what might be real, what might not be real. And it's so much more than just, I think, a comic book installment. And I think that's something that really benefits it in the long run. And and one of the other things I think was great, and when we talk about the MCU now... I do think the ending of this episode is amazing and there's this F, a, a visual effects sequence that happens that you kind of see in some of the marketing campaigns so if you, you might have seen some of these shots already but if you've seen the episode you know what I'm talking about and visually that might be one of the co- coolest things I've ever seen in the MCU period it was just for something that was on television and again even on streaming television doesn't have the same kind of a budget that some of these bigger MCU films have like Dr. Strange or Thor or Black Panther, those have bigger budgets than even some of these other television shows right now. But to see what they were able to do at the ending of this, it felt very much like they they put a lot of money into it, a lot of time into it. So I really enjoy that. It's one of my favorite things that I've seen in the MCU in in the 12 plus years that it's been around so far. So I really did enjoy that. And I think overall, people from what I've heard so far really have enjoyed this third episode of Moon Knight so far. It seems like a lot of people are enjoying the show overall, and I'm really, really excited, not to get into any spoilers whatsoever of what people are going to see in episode four. I think people are really going to have their minds blown with what they're going to experience in next week's episode. So, again, not to get into any any of that next week. That was just a little tease to get you excited, but for this episode, I think it was a really good installment. I would put it, excuse me, I would put it above episode four for me right now. I initially had my... Rankings as two, four, one, and then three. But now, reworking them a little bit, I would still have it at two, one, three, and then four. Four is below right now because there were some things that were unrendered in episode four that I'm watching it next week. I'm very excited to because I feel like even though I've seen the episode, it, it's going to be a completely new watch for me because there were some things that were un, uh, unedited, there were some things the VFX weren't done yet, the audio wasn't done yet, so it's going to be a new experience for me watching that episode, so right now, it has the potential to really climb up the list but for right now, episode 3 jumps up on there a little bit more right now, jumps over at one step but that could change next week once episode 4 does come out, but I really enjoyed this episode a whole lot more, seeing a second time, it was great, again, Oscar Isaac is just knocking it out of the park he's just tremendous the rest of the cast is phenomenal the effects have looked great so far especially that last minute or last sequence that happened in this latest episode so again overall really enjoyed it what did you guys think about episode three for moon Knight? let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts again non-spoiler thoughts on episode three of Moon Knight. The friendly type, that is the name of the title. Now, moving on away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a little bit, but staying in the world of television, I'm going to be going and talking about the first, or really not the first trailer because there's been some marketing for it, but the latest first full official trailer for arguably one of the most anticipated shows returning to television in the last three years. And that, of course, is the fourth season of Stranger Things. And we've again we've gotten some marketing but they've been little teases here and they're not really giving us a whole lot of information what the story is going to be what we're going to see after being away from these characters for a a few years now and a lot of that has to do of course because of the pandemic and the delays but we're finally going back and and hanging out with 11 and mike and dustin and the crew and i was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with this trailer and i think if there's one thing that this had to do this piece of marketing was really kind of deliver for fans to get excited about this because when volume one and and that's and, and this season is being broken up into two parts volume one volume two volume one's coming out on May 27th, there's going to be a lot of stuff to look forward to on May 27th, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but you really had to start off with a banger with this trailer, really get people to be excited about Stranger Things once again, and I think that is exactly what happened with this trailer. I absolutely loved it. It was everything that a lot of the creators have been talking about when they've been asked about Stranger Things Season 4, how it was going to be epic and grand, and the the Duffer brothers are uh, about a week or so ago we were comparing it to kind of their season of Game of Thrones where they're having multiple episodes that are very long and it's only gonna be one more season, but they have the end game in mind. And this is gonna be epic in scope and scale and the VFX are gonna be out of this world. And you were wondering, okay, this better live up to that. And just from the trailer alone, it, it, it showcased every and backed everything up that the creators have been talking about with this season of Stranger Things. I mean, it seems like we're really going to be exploring the upside down in ways that we haven't seen before. It looks like a portion of the group is going to be going into the upside down to stop what seems like this new entity that could potentially be the big bad of Stranger Things. We haven't really kind of seen that happen before we've gotten the mind flayer, the demagogues, the demogorgon, but it seems like this this thing that we see at the very end of the trailer and seems to be kind of monologuing throughout the trailer is going to be kind of the the big thing that is going to be controlling the upside down that our heroes are going to have to stop in the long run so that gets me really excited and seeing the group the crew back together and i'm very interested to see how all these different storylines intersect, because that's another thing where the, the Duffer brothers and Sean Levy were talking about how there's going to be three distinct groups. It's going to be Hopper in Russia, which that looks awesome. It seems like he's fighting one of the Demogorgons that Russia housed at the end of season three in a, kind of like a cage match. That looks awesome. Then you have what seems like it's going to be Mike and Eleven and Will and and Jonathan in kind of this California area. And then you have the people over in Hawkins, like Dustin and Max. And and you have everyone else. Steve, everyone's going to be there. Nancy, they're all in Hawkins. So it seems like all these three different storylines are going to be intersecting with one another that... Well, maybe we'll see kind of happen at the end of, of volume one or maybe at the end of volume two we'll, we'll see but you kind of saw that a little bit with stranger things season season two or or season three rather where you saw multiple different storylines all coming together at the final episode so maybe that's what happens with stranger things four so we'll, we'll see but it all looked awesome and the v effects look amazing the story. I love how it's amazing when you get these these shows that deal with kids and something like Harry Potter, where each installment you see them growing up. These kids that we that were in middle school when season one came out, they looked like babies, and now they're they're teenagers. They're going to high school, and it's just it's incredible to see the growth, and you feel like you're going on 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 through life with these kids, and to see that it's it's going to become more mature, more horrifying and there's going to be more horrific elements to this season it seems like than in seasons past and some of those seasons like season three have been pretty horrifying so it's going to be very interesting to see how far they push that limit but it still seems like they're going to keep in vain with a lot of the the nostalgia of the 80s and And some of the things that we loved about the movies and and TV shows of that time period, the music, I loved the song that they included with this one. And one of the great things about the marketing for all of Stranger Things throughout all four seasons has been that trailer where it's been the full two three minute full trailer and you get kind of that that nostalgia song that appeared during that time period so for season two it was thriller for season three it was teenage wasteland like it's just so cool to hear all those songs and, and to utilize them in this kind of a way in this epic way is awesome but I loved this this trailer. It lived up to my expectations. I like think for a lot of people. It lived up to what they wanted to see, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on May 27th because, like I was saying before, you had to get people interested because there's a lot coming out that weekend. It's going to be one of the biggest weekends of all time within television TV, movie history. I haven't seen something like this since... Probably 2019 when, when it was the end of April where we had Avengers Endgame and then, of course, the final season of Game of Thrones, we had the Long Night Battle that came out that same weekend. And that's exactly what's going to be happening on May 27th, Memorial Day weekend, where in theaters... You have Top Gun Maverick coming out finally with Tom Cruise. You have Bob's Burgers. That has a built-in fan base. Then on television, you're going to be having Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1. And then you're going to be having the debut of Obi-Wan Kenobi for Star Wars fans. And they're debuting the first two episodes that people are very much looking forward to that show. Probably arguably the most highly anticipated Disney Plus show to come out so far in terms of of hype for an installment on the streaming service. So there's a lot of that weekend is just going to be filled with so much stuff, again, on top of the holiday weekend that is going to be approaching on that on that area as well. So people are going to be wanting to go outside and barbecue and enjoying the beginning of the official season of summer. But you have all this other stuff to look forward to as well. So it's just going to be an insane weekend. And, and so you're going to have to really entice people to say, no, 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 no. See, our thing first before you go see all this other stuff as well. So that weekend is gonna be very interesting to see all the numbers that come out for it. The the streaming numbers for Obi-Wan and Stranger Things, the box office numbers particularly for Top Gun Maverick, it's going to be exciting. So we'll see where it goes. But in regards to Stranger Things season four, great trailer. I'm I'm sure we probably will get one more since it is April. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we get one at the beginning of May, but maybe a week or so before it debuts on the 27th, maybe get one final trailer to get people excited, to get that final push in for marketing. So we'll probably get that. But if this is the last trailer we get, I think this is a great person, uh, a great impression for people people to get excited once again for Stranger Things. What did you guys think about the season four trailer for Stranger Things? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. Now to move on over to some movie news that has been going around the world of Hollywood. We're going to, of course, start out with driving on down over to a little family that is gearing up for their 10th installment. and That, of course, is not a small family. It's a big family in Fast and Furious, and they just kept on getting bigger as they added one more new member for Fast and Furious 10 and it's over the last couple of months really as they've been gearing up for this film Vin Diesel and 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 a lot of the trades have been announcing some new characters that will be in this film and it's been very DCU centric as they got Jason Momoa who's Aquaman to be in the film they got the actress who was Ratcatcher 2 in the Suicide Squad. So it seemed like they needed to even the scales a little bit. And you even the scales by getting one of the most powerful MCU characters to be in the film as well. And that is a person that is named Brie Larson. Yes, Captain Marvel herself is coming over from the MCU to, excuse, excuse me, the Fast and Furious franchise. And it was announced by Vin Diesel when he was talking about it, and it was really kind of a surprise because no trades reported. It was it was dropped on, I believe it was either Saturday night or Sunday. Unexpected, all of a sudden we get a post from Vin Diesel talking about this brand new the drop of, of of a tremendous actress being involved in this franchise. And this is the post that he put out there over the weekend when, when talking about this. And, and again, it was completely by surprise. Nobody w- was, was expecting this to happen, but leave it to Vin Diesel to try to pull this off. And this is what he had to say in announcing Brie Larson coming to the Fast and Furious family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see this angel over my shoulder cracking me up. You say to yourself, That's Captain Marvel. Clearly, there is love and laughter in this image. What you don't see, however, is the character you will be introduced to in Fast 10. You have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology. Beyond her beauty, her intellect, her Oscar is this profound soul who will add something you might not have expected but yearn for. Welcome to the family, Brie. And then... I think it was a day later, Brie Larson kind of came out and she confirmed it on her own, saying she was excited to be a part of the Fast and Furious franchise and being a part of the family. So it is confirmed that Brie Larson is, again, going to be a part of this this franchise. And I think one of the great things that she says or the, really this says about it is that Vin Diesel does have this kind of clout where maybe things might not have worked with Dwayne Johnson, but he's able to get people like Jason Momoa and Brie Larson to come on over. And Brie Larson has even said that she, after doing all these commercials, I believe for Nissan, she wants to get behind the wheel and do all these crazy action scenes. And she clearly can do it from Captain Marvel. But Vin Diesel has the clout to bring in all of these stars. And to get, again, Brie Larson is an, is an amazing feat and it's gonna be very interesting to see the kind of character that she plays. And one of the things that Vince said in his post when talking about Brie Larson coming over to this franchise is the fact that she, that we as audience members are not have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology. So it seems like Brie Larson is gonna be some kind of character that might stick around for the last two movies because it seems like they are breaking up Fast 10 into two parts. It'll be part one next year in 2023, and I'm sure probably 2024 will be the final part of the Fast and Furious franchise, or rather the story with this family and Dominic Toretto. So is she playing somebody that is has been already established, a family member that has already been established, or, or is she playing someone else entirely? And there was one theory that came out that I was very much into and was curious about how fans would react to it, and that is the fact that maybe, just maybe, Bree Larson could be playing the long-lost sister or the sister to the late great Paul Walker and his character Brian. And is is Bree Larson gonna be playing Brian O'Connor's sister? And I think that would be interesting to kind of play with that scenario because, again, we just did F9 where we were introduced to Vin Diesel, to Dom's long-lost brother, Jacob, and we had no idea from any of the other films that there was a reference to a brother in any kind of capacity whatsoever. We just thought it was Dom and me and the Toretto family, and that was it. So they're able to, to somewhat rewrite a little bit of the quote-unquote mythology or the the canon of the Fast and Furious franchise. And maybe they do something like that here, where maybe they want to include some kind of a... Of a way with Brian that maybe isn't just Mia anymore, and maybe to include Brian in it once again, they bring in an extension of that family. And again, no other person better to play it than Brie Larson. So, again, I'm very curious to see who she's going to play, but in the end, this is a great get for them. Balances the DC MCU scale within the Fast and Furious franchise. But again, I'm really excited. I, I wasn't, I enjoyed F9, I thought it was a lot of fun. Not one of my favorite favorite ones when we're talking about Fast Five or Fury, or Fast and Furious 6 or 7, but I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, especially last year when it was really one of the first big blockbusters to come out in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, it really brought, I think, a lot of joy back for people going to the theaters once again. So we'll see how this one does, but a big get for Universal, for Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious franchise, and it's great to see somebody like Brie Larson, who really has has kind of become notorious with the big blockbuster franchises, between being in Conksco Island, to being in the MCU as Captain Marvel, she really loves being a part of these films, after being in a lot of indie films to begin her career, like in Don John, or of course, her Oscar winning role in Room, she's really become this big, big getter in these franchises. So I'm very curious to see how she does in this, but I'm really excited, really like the the addition, and we'll see who else they're able to get. I don't think they're done. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but we'll see what happens. But again, really like the announcement. Can't wait to see the surprise announcement of Brie Larson joining the Fast and Furious family for the 10th installment. What do you guys think about Brie Larson joining the Fast family? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now, moving on away from the Fast and Furious family to a little bit of a darker corner in the DCEU and specifically talking, of course, about the Batman. And one of the things when it comes to Warner Media, and and of course, Warner Brothers and Warner Media did the thing last year, doing day and day release for all their films: Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, Suicide Squad, Matrix Resurrections. That, that's, that was their thing. And of course, it wasn't a lot of it did not appease to a lot of people when it was first announced back when the year first started last year. But they since have reverted back to exclusively theatrical only except they are they they said their strategy moving forward is going to be like a lot of other studios where there is going to be a shorter window from being a theatrical only to going to video on demand or subscription video on demand or on just on demand in general the window is going to be shortened and it seems like it just shrunken down just by a day earlier instead of being 45 days it's going to be 44 days until the batman hits hbo max it is was announced earlier this Week that the Batman is set for April 18th launch on HBO Max. And then on top of it, which was also very interesting, is that on linear television, it will be debuting on Saturday, April 23rd on the linear HBO Max channel. So if you have cable vision in any kind of way whatsoever, if you don't have HBO Max and you just have the HBO channel, you'll be able to watch it on April 23rd. And, and that is a lot shorter than. A lot of other movies that come on hbo usually do usually it might be two months sometimes it could be four to six months is what used to be the traditional window but now it's even shorter than that and the, the 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 HBO Max one doesn't surprise me again a day earlier, not too bad. But the, the 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 linear TV debut is a big deal, and and for me it's it's really early for a movie that is still this big that is still raking in a lot of money at the box office. And I know a lot of people aren't really happy about the fact that this that this movie is happening entirely. But while I was very angry about the day and day release, I'm less angry about this because. I think it's shown when people shorten the release schedule that – or the release window for films that are exclusively theatrical to also being on demand while also, of course, still being in theaters is that a lot of the money is usually made – By the end of the month, because especially if you get another big franchise or or a big film that comes out maybe a few weeks later, people are starting to not focus on your film as much. The buzz has kind of died down for the people that want to go see it might maybe have not seen it for the first time or maybe going for the first time. And maybe you have people that are going to see it on repeats over and over and over again. But I think if you are going to have this scenario, it is better to have it play out when when you're just doing a 45-day release instead of just doing on on a day and day release. So even though the Batman is making money still, I do think that you're still gonna have people that were gonna go to the theaters anyway, so why not just give it to them right now and still kind of make some kind of profit off of it if you're able to? Maybe get people to subscribe for the Batman or it builds up that one of the options while looking at HBO Max to, to consider buying it would be one of the reasons is to check out the Batman. So I I think it it makes a whole lot of sense. I understand this and can respect this this scenario more than I would if it was... Just day and date release because that's not the smart way to do it. But the Batman has made over $700 million. It's the highest grossing film of 2022 so far. Would you want to get it to a billion dollars? Yes. And would you still want it to rake in money? Yes. But we've seen films over the last couple of, of months as well where they've hit video on demand, but they still do very, very well in theaters. Spider Man No Way Home, uh, as it has been the box office example for everything in the pandemic, this is the latest one where streaming video on demand or just video on demand it's still making money at the box office and still at theaters still playing in theaters and people still wanted to go to the theaters to experience that so i think if people want to go see this in the theaters they'll still go see it in the theaters and get that experience or they could watch it on on hbo max or if they want to They don't just have to go back to the theaters. If they want to go to see it in in, in a theatrical setting, they can go there. And then if they want to go watch it again, they can go watch it at home too. So I think if anything, this helps helps Warner Brothers instead of hurting them in the long run. And again, it might seem like... I'm contradicting myself after after everything I said about the day and day release. But again, if we were to go to one scenario over the other, this is the better scenario to have. So I would praise this one more than the one where you're just throwing away all your box office money. Whereas with this, it's made a lot of its money already. So uh, again, I, I'm fine with this. I'm excited to see this film again. I want to go back to the theater and check it out. But again, I'll also watch it on HBO Max as well. So what do you guys think? Are you guys going to be checking out this on HBO Max when it comes out on April 18th, or you're gonna wait for it to come out on the the linear HBO Max or the linear HBO channel on cable, what are you gonna do? Let me know down below. And leave your thoughts. Now to move on back over to the MCU after exploring the DCU, I want to kind of get into some news regarding one of the new Disney Plus shows from the MCU set to hit this year. Of course, not Moon Knight, not She Hulk, but the one and only Miss Marvel, which has been in high anticipation since it was first announced back in D23 at or at D23. Excuse me, in 2019, and it was supposed to come out. potentially sometime late last year, but there were rumors that there were some reshoots going on that it wouldn't be ready for 2022. And now we have an official release date of June 8th of this year, so it'll be the summertime show for the MCU this year after Loki was that show last year. And there's a lot of anticipation, again, for this. I mean, it's going to be... The first Muslim to, first Muslim representative to be within the MCU to represent that culture where Marvel has really kind of been on that tear and Disney has been and a lot of Hollywood has been, but really the MCU and really being a great push. For representation, I mean, they're doing that right now with, with Moon Knight. They're going to be doing it with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So this is just the next stepping stone in that. And one of the, the interesting things about Ms. Marvel is, unlike a lot of the other MCU shows and even movies that have come out over the last year or so, a lot of them have been very heavy and serious and dark. And, and while they're fun, they're not really enjoying themselves within the film and and, or within the show. And I think with something like Miss Marvel, the one of the great things I, I loved about the trailer was that it was very much having fun with itself and it was very much this coming of age show that we're going to get and the cool thing is that we're going to be seeing the MCU through the lens again of, of another kid and how they're growing up with all these icons with the Avengers and, and, and Captain Marvel as Miss as Marvel, even in the comics, is always a fan of that character so seeing it through the eyes of this teenager is going to be really exciting and it's all going to be led by Aman Vellani and she's a brand newcomer this is her first major role and you heard so much about her and, and nobody heard heard of her but she won won over Kevin Foggy, she won over the producers and, and and the casting directors and she got this role and seeing the trailer you can understand why she has that 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 youthfulness that innocence of wanting to be a hero one day and the co-creator of Miss Marvel named Sana Amant she talked about that with Empire Magazine in a preview for Ms. Marvel and and she talked about working with Aman Villani and what she was like as Kamala Khan and what she brings to it and this is what she had to say about about Aman Villani and the and the process that she went through and what she learned about her she showed me every corner of her room and it was covered with Avengers then she said oh wait I'm not done opened up her closet and there was more Marvel everywhere. That giddy energy and teenage enthusiasm were ideal for a character who isn't your traditional Avenger. She's not as slick and suave as some superheroes. It's not like when Captain America throws a shield and it comes back. She's all over the place. I'm excited for people to get to know her. And and she also talks about this with, with Kevin Feige. She gave me a list of feedback on every single Marvel movie. Kevin Feige is like her Carol Danvers. It all sounds like a match made in heaven so again this is great for somebody who is a teenager like a mom to already be able to feel confident in herself and already kind of a big geek of the mcu and all of these characters it fits already into that energy that kamala khan has within the comics and within this show as well and the fact that it seems like she's a big fan of Kevin Feige and of this world. It just, it just, it's great to always see that with any creators and whether it's directors, producers, actors, acting in general, a lot of this stuff you get paid for. And sometimes you do stuff that you might not like, you're getting paid a good amount of money and you go out and do it. But you, there are always projects that you see people get passionate about. And it seems like for Amon Vellani, yes, this is her first gig and it's a huge one and she wants to do well, but when she has already has that passion apparently for the MCU, for this character, for this world, that's just gonna add an extra step for her. That's gonna add some more juice to her performance and to the passion that she has for this world. And again, you already see that in the trailer. So it gets me really, really excited for what she's gonna bring to the MCU, what this show is gonna bring to the MCU. And I'm really excited for that. I think these shows, this universe needs that after experiencing something like that with Spider-Man Homecoming really where it was a coming of age film and it was about high school and navigating being a teenager but a hero. That's going to be doing this as well and while also adding a great number of representation to that as well. It's just going to be great to see and and again after everything we saw with the MCU last year and the beginning of this year with coming off of something like Moon Knight where it's very again dark and dreary and horrifying and brutal. You transition that over to Miss Marvel, that's what makes the MCU so fantastic, is again, all these different genres and all these different tones that you're able to do, they all make it fit, but they all allow this unique style to happen. And we're getting that with Miss Marvel. And so I'm very excited for all of that that's going to be coming with it. And what also is very interesting and, and kind of goes to the point of how different the show is going to be is that this Miss Marvel is going to be rated TVPG. And so for people that might be unfamiliar with TV ratings, apparently when it comes to the description of TV PG, it basically means that the program contains material that parents may find unsuitable for younger children. Many parents may want to want to watch it with their children. The theme itself may call for parental guidance and or the program may contain one or more of the following, some suggestive dialogue, infrequent coerced language, some sexual situations or moderate violence. So again, sounds very much more like a, a PG-13 than anything else whereas a lot of the other MCU shows have been TV mature. So this is the first Marvel show that is going to have that. So it's still going to be a little mature, but I think teenagers are going to be able to watch the show and enjoy it and and, and relate to it. And so I think you're going to be able to expand on the MCU and its audience more so than you already have. And you've already done that really in the 12-plus years that you've been around. So... To get more people, that's what you want to them to relate to some of these newer characters. That's what you want to see. So, again, I'm really excited for this and hopefully continues the success that Moon Knight has had. Where for Disney Plus and for the MCU this year, it's going to be very important for them to see how these newer characters can do on this platform and integrating them into the overall MCU and onto the feature film side. And again, it's worked with Moon Knight so far. I th- I'm very excited to see how it works with Miss Marvel during the summertime. So what do you guys think about what the co-creator of Ms. Marvel had to say? And again, that's the co-creator of the character overall, including the comic books. What did you think about what she had to say? And also the, the rating for Ms. Marvel. Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. All right, moving on over to another bit of news coming from the MCU. And that, of course, has to do with the next installment in the franchise. And that's a feature film, one of the biggest feature films for the MCU to come out in a long time, up there with Endgame, I think, No Way Home, and that, of course, is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We are less than a month away, weeks away, from this film hitting theaters, finally, and we officially got the rating for... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and surprise, surprise, it's PG-13. That's not really the surprise, but you always expect these films to do PG-13 ratings, but it's the description of what is in the PG-13 rating that it gets people speculating of what they're going to see and the tone that they're gonna get with this latest outing from Marvel. And according to the MPAA, who rates all these films and gives descriptions on why they rated it what they did, Uh, of course, going into big big details, they just talked about why they put it there. And the reason is is because it will have intense sequences of violence and action, frightening images, and some language. So I think the big thing to jump out at this isn't the violence of the action or even the language, but it's the frightening images part and everything that we've heard about Doctor Strange 2 and what they've always wanted it to be ever since it was first announced at San Diego Comic-Con in 2019 when Scott Derrickson was still the director and Kevin Feige announced it on stage when this film was announced and this project was announced was that they wanted to go deeper into the horror landscape. They, they want Doctor Strange to, to really be the first iterations of horror in the MCU. And we're getting some of that in Moon Knight, but they really wanted it to be that with this film. And unfortunately, Scott Derrickson and the creatives over at Marvel, which has happened here or there sometimes with their films, they came to creative differences, so Scott Derrickson left... But in replacement of him, they got one of the ultimate masters of horror himself. And that, of course, is somebody who's been around in the Marvel Universe, not the MCU, but the Marvel Universe as a whole before. And that, of course, is the one and only Sam Raimi. So you knew that you were in good hands because he's been around the superhero genre before, the comic book genre. He knows the horror genre. So he's going to be able to blend both of them very, very well together. And judging from the trailers and the spots that we've seen, even though it's not going into incredible horror land, you're definitely seeing a lot more of the horror angle in the trailers in the marketing for this film so far, whether it's from some of the zombies or, or zombie, zombified Doctor Strange variants that we've been able to get or some of the visuals or Wanda seems like she's going to be a really scary character in this film. It seems like there's going to be some horrific elements, like horror elements within this film that are going to live up to those. So I'm very, very excited to see what those are going to be but the fact that it says frightening images I think showcases that there's going to be more than just two or three we're going to get multiple sequences where it's going to be Sam Raimi not just flexing his comic book experience in the genre but of course flexing his horror muscles and again adding the different genre elements that we know MCU projects to hold and for them to really explore the horror element it's perfect for Doctor Strange and Wanda and and what they're trying to do with this film so that gets me really excited another thing is We also got some more marketing material for the film. We got a brand new featurette, which kind of talked about the multiverse. We got a brand new TV spot that you kind of saw a new look at one of the variants of Doctor Strange, which was Defender Strange. You also got to look at a bloodied Wanda. Now, whether it's the MCU's Wanda or another multiverse variant of Wanda remains to be seen, but she is bloodied. She seems like she's crushing this Ultron robot head that we saw in in, in the trailer the last show trailer for the film, so it's going to get brutal, and again, going to those frightening images, it's going to be very interesting to see how they pull all that off, and of course, the other thing that we got earlier in the week were the character posters for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it featured Doctor Strange, Wanda Wong, America Chavez, Mordo, and of course, Rachel McAdams herself, Christine Palmer, so it's, again, I think it's we're in the final leg of the marketing for this film, which is kind of crazy to even think about, but we're, we're in that stretch where you're getting all these new feature you're getting all these posters, soon we're going to be getting press releases, we're going to be getting interviews, and the premiere is going to be happening on, I believe, May 2nd, where we're going to be hearing the first reactions come out for the film, and they did report that those that those will not be happening, and reactions will be happening until after the premiere of the film on May 2nd, so they're really holding back on this film because of all the details and spoilers that are probably in the film that they don't want to get out, just a mere few days away from the film releasing once the premiere does happen so we as Dr. Strange said in Infinity War we're in the end game now of the marketing for this film and the journey that this movie and this production have gone on from again the creative differences of directors to the reshoots that happened towards the end of last year and then with COVID and the fact that this film had to be reworked re- within the schedule and someone like Elizabeth Olsen who because of the pandemic she had to finish up WandaVision and then go right from WandaVision to doing production in London and in the UK for this movie. So it's been a very interesting journey to see where this film has gone from and and where it's evolved to. I'm, I'm really excited to... A, see the film, and then from the the post of the film, get all the the tidbits and spoilers from the director and creatives of of what they did with this film and and what versions of the script they had before the, the final product of the film came out and what was what, when, where, why, all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that after I see the movie. But again, first and foremost, I'm just excited to see this damn thing and finally get the movie that I've been really looking forward to for a long, long time, really since it was announced at Comic-Con in 2019. I I knew it was gonna be a big film. When you brought in the multiverse, you put in a Doctor Strange film, you bring back Wanda, Elizabeth Olsen in this film, and really make it a team-up film in the MCU, like like a Captain America the Winter Soldier or a Thor Ragnarok, and you add in the horror elements, that the fact that this is gonna be the first big MCU film, that'll tie into one of the Disney plus shows that the story starts out there and then it connects into one of the movies. This is the first time we're going to get that. So this is a very big deal for Marvel, for Kevin Feige, for the creatives there. Once again, we'll see how it all plays out, but I'm very much looking forward to this. And I still retain that. I don't think it's going to gross $200 million. It's going to be close, but I still think it I, I up myself from 170 to 185 to 185 to like 195. So I, 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 I moved myself up a little bit, but still not able to get to 200. even though I'm $5 million short. Again, wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not confident in making that prediction just yet. But this is going to be huge. This is going to be big, and I'm really excited to see how this all comes together in the end. So, again, we're in that final push. Let's see how it all plays out in the next couple of weeks. And then the final bit of MCU news that I want to talk about today is going back to the Disney Plus shows. And one of the things that the Disney Plus shows have done so well is, and, and MC, the MCU has just done this in general so well, is finding new creatives and directors to take on the MCU projects and, and add their own stamp to them. But also again, staying within the, the, the confinements of the of the franchise and what they're trying to do overall. But with TV, they're able to even go a little bit deeper than that and, and find television and show running talent and even movie directing talent that is doing some smaller projects, but you see the talent and you wanna bring them in into these these worlds and that's exactly what it seems like Marvel has been able to do once again as they have finally found their directors for one of their new Disney Plus shows that'll be hitting the streaming airwaves in the next couple of years. And that of course is Ironheart, which is gonna be set to star Dominique Thorne as Rui Williams, who will be the star of that show. You're also getting Anthony Ramos as potentially one of the villains in the show. You also had the announcement of the directors and they are Sam Bailey and Angela Barnes. And Sam Bailey will be directing episodes one through three. And Angela Barnes will be directing episodes four through six. And then, and another surprise bit of news that's not so surprising because we have heard rumors that have been circulating that Riri Williams will be making her debut not in Ironheart but in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which was written and directed by Ryan Coogler. He is now said to be one of the executive producers for the Ironheart series. So. It's no surprise that that's probably the case that she is gonna be in Black Panther to help shepherd the character into her own show. And again, keep that consistency. Ryan Coogler is gonna be coming in and taking over and and helping out with the show as well. So overall, I've seen some of the resume work that these two directors have done. They've done some great television work. So they're in line with being able to adapt this material and put it in a six episode format. And again, they haven't done anything big, action-y or in the blockbuster vein, but that's only half of the work. If you're able to create great character moments, great story moments, and, and, and really do a good job of telling a great story, then you should be able to get this job. And, and again, it, it, it's great with the inclusivity and, and, and diversity. They're continuing that, I think, throughout the MCU. So all of that is just it's just cherry on top for everything that they're doing. And, and so it's great to see that they're getting all this great talent. And I'm really looking forward to to Ironheart. I'm very curious to see how she plays into Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but also how she's gonna be taking over the Iron Man mantle and in and, and, and that corner of the MCU. I'm very curious by that. So what do you guys think about Heart Finance Directors? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And that will do it for the movie news side of things on the Sam Bissell podcast. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast in general, as I always like to do before Friday hits, of course, is go over my weekend preview. And of course, I like to give you the preview of everything that is releasing this week, whether it be in theaters and on stream. And there's a couple things to really kind of break down this weekend. Yesterday, of course, was the release of the brand new Mark Wahlberg film, Father Stew, which is based off of this true story about a man who was kind of just going through life and and was down on his luck, but then found himself becoming a priest. And it's about his journey of becoming something and becoming something else. But of course, the big film that people will be focusing on this weekend, presumably, is of course the latest in the Wizarding World franchise, Fantastic Beasts, and the secrets of dumbledore and of course with fantastic beasts and the secrets of dumbledore you have a a a really really good cast i might say that is of course starring eddie redmayne from from the first two movies you also of course have an amazing cast that includes Jude law as a young albus dumbledore you have mad you of course have mad mickelson coming in to replace Johnny Depp as Grella Grindelwald, who, of course, after everything going on with him and Amber Heard, Warner Brothers finally decided to let him go. You also have it starring Ezra Miller. You have Dan Fogler coming back as well, Catherine Watterson, and is, of course, once again directed by David Yates, who loves coming back to this franchise, and it's great to see him continue to do these films overall. So, again, the big film this weekend, of course, is this movie, and... It's one that, again, I'm a huge fan of the Harry Potter franchise, and I, I love that th- th- those eight films. I will always love them to death. They were absolutely fantastic. They were part of my childhood, and they always will be. It will always be the first midnight premiere that I always went to with Deathly Hallows Part 2 I'll always hold that experience in my high regard. However, with these two movies that have come out with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Fantastic Beasts Car- the Crimes of Grindelwald, they just have not done it for me so far. I mean, it just doesn't capture that same magic. I I do love Jude Law as Dumbledore, and and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with with this film now. Now that we're going to be able to explore him a little bit more, but it just it just hasn't done it for me. And the Rotten Tomatoes score is still around 55% right now, so with 120 views. So again, not as bad as Crimes of Grindelwald, not as good as Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. I think the thing about this was when it was first announced that it was going to be a five-film set was how are you going to, to expand these characters and integrate them in? And I think the thing with, with Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them was that it would have been a great one-off. And with those characters, I don't think you could have expanded on them anymore within this world that you've now created. Maybe if you started out with doing Jude Law's Dumbledore and you explored the 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 mystery of Grindelwald and Dumbledore, I think you would have been able to do that a lot more. But. The way that it starts out, it goes in a completely different direction by by the, the the second movie, and they're continuing along this track. So we'll see, but again, I'm gonna go see this film. I have not seen it yet. I'm looking to go see it tonight or tomorrow. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in and see what it's about. Hopefully I like it more than I like Crimes of Grindelwald. So we'll see. But again, it's just these films have not done it for me so far and it's just this this group of films have had a lot of problems from everything going on with J.K. Rowling to now Ezra Miller being arrested and, and all the legal scenarios that he's going through, of course, Johnny Depp, which they don't have to worry about now, but... In the first two movies, they really had to deal with that stuff of why cast him when he's got all this stuff going on. And they defended casting him. and They kept him. It just has not worked from beginning to end. And, again, it's just a shame to see that. And it's understandable that you want to continue working in this franchise. For Warner Brothers, it's one of your most profitable ones. You have to continue it. But... There's got to be a better way of doing it and utilizing it in a way that maybe just is not this is not the way to do it. So again, there's supposed to be two more films after this one. It's projected this film, *Secrets of Dumbledore*, to do around forty million dollars opening weekend. Now whether it falls below that or over over exceeds that is going to be very interesting to see, because a lot the rest of these this story is hinging on this film. It sounds like from the reports that I've heard this week. So. We'll see what happens but I'm 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 interested in seeing this movie and seeing if it can change my mind on these films because again i'm a big harry potter fan will always be but these films again have not done it for me uh, with father stew again I'm, I'm interested in that film i'll always go see whatever mark Wahlberg is doing i feel like he is an underrated actor i feel like he can pull off comedic, not comedic but dramatic chops very well as he's done throughout his career and so i'll see it i'm a big fan of biofilms of, of inspirational movies so we'll see where that one goes but Another film that I think might interest people but I've heard some really good things about that debuted at film festivals this year, is a film with Karen Galen and Aaron Paul called Duel. And it's about a woman named Sarah who's terminally ill. And to save her family from the pain of losing her, she decides to go through a cloning procedure and trains the clone to be like her. However, Sarah is able to make a recovery and it showcases that these two are gonna have to fight to the death. So the trailers have looked very interesting. I've heard some good things about this film. a big fan of Karen Gillen. I think she's somebody that is a really good actor, and I'll see anything that she's in for the most part, whether it's good or bad. But this looks very quirky and kooky. It's directed by Riley Streams, who did the the film with with with, with Jesse Eisenberg, which was called The Art of Self Defense, and that was another kind of quirky, kooky, cool film. So I'm very interested to see how this one does, how it how she that this person continues to translate this. So I'm very curious to see what they're able to do, but the trailers look very interesting so this is one if you're somebody who's into indie films art house movies and you're looking for something else to see this weekend that's another one that i would recommend checking out this weekend so Overall, guys, between Father Stew, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Duel, what are you interested in seeing this weekend? Are you interested in seeing any of these films? Are you going to go back and see something like Sonic the Hedgehog 2 or The Batman or Morbius even? Are you going to see any of those films? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio. Stitcher public soundcloud and much more also make sure to tune in on to the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here such as you mad bro the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also check out goal driven professionals geared toward improving client relations return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services also make sure to check out the daily grind a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals also along the way make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions. dot also on Facebook and Twitter at RealAmbiguous, and if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel—that's B-U-W-S-E-W-L-S-A-M-U-L—and also on Facebook at Sam And also, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, you can find me at the Sam Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.